Welcome to another episode of Metal Mastermind. Your host, Jason Stallworth, and co-host Ken Candelis. We up, are dude? here today. I'm good, man. And we're going to talk about something that's really, really important that everybody who is a metal musician, an independent metal musician, needs to hear. Jason. Yes. Yeah, well, guys, we're, we're going to talk about what it actually takes to be a, a modern indie metal musician in, in this day and age. Uh, and, you know, we want you to look at this more than just your hobby. Hey, I just want to get a track out there. I just want to, you know, throw something out there. We, we want you to look at this as a business. So we're going to talk about that, ways to do that today. Um, and the mentality that you need to uh, to have moving forward with this so that you can be successful. And, you know, this is something, Ken, this is something, this is where people, they don't really see that they can be successful. Like, well, I'm just going to put something out there. It's just going to be my legacy. And I'm just going to throw it out there and see what happens. No, you need to have a plan. And like we said, treat it as a business, not as a hobby, not as like, well, this might do well and probably won't do well. If you go into it with that mentality, you won't do well, right, Ken? If you if you have that mindset of like, eh, I'm just, it's just a hobby, I'm just going to throw it out there and whatever happens, you're probably not going to do very well at it, right? Yeah, no. Uh, but I also know that when people get into doing the music, indie music thing, one thing that people forget is that this is an industry that takes time, a lot of time, uh, because the first thing that you you really have to do is know who you are as a, as a musician. So if that doesn't take a lot of time enough, <laughs> you know, the rest of this stuff is going to take just extra on top of that. So I always tell people, if you want to be the indie musician, you have to Put it into your mind that this is probably going to take like 10 years to do, at least to get your self-established in some way, shape or form, because you're doing it on your own. You don't have the resources like a record label does. And if you do, congratulations, that's great. And you have to maintain that. But as an indie musician, we have to do things, you know, from the ground up. So we have to build all the bricks, <laughs> put them to, in place build it as high as we can make it. But we also have to make sure that we have to put it on solid ground, something that's not made out of sand. Right. And those are all the things that are the fundamentals of being the musician. Right. So we're right. always in this conundrum of, Oh, it's taking too long to do anything. This is impossible. It's not that it's impossible. It's just that you are one person and you have to just be patient with yourself. But you have to also be really, really ambitious to just keep doing it. Uh, we talked about our, our own music being very sacred to us. If it's sacred to you, does that mean that no matter what, you'll keep doing it? Because you have to believe that. You have to believe that this is all that you're going to be doing in your life. I can't imagine not doing my own music. If I did that, I would feel regret for the rest of my life and I would feel completely unfulfilled. So you have to have that idea in your head that this is everything that you're going to be doing. And you have only this one path to take and it's just going to take a long time and that's okay. You just have to be patient with yourself. Well, you said the magic words, uh, you said no matter what. 
So this is where this all comes full circle, guys. You decide that you're going to do it. You make that conscious decision that you're going to release your music. You're going to work on your music. You're going to get better at it, and you're going to continue no matter what. Now, if you truly have that mindset, then what what encompasses that? Well, what does is education, right? You want to learn how to do things better each and every time. So you keep moving forward with that. And with that mindset of no matter what, this is what I'm doing. Well, that kind of conflicts with, well, this is just a hobby to me. I'm just going to throw something out there and just see what happens. That's a conflict with no matter what, with that no matter what attitude. So as you develop a stronger no matter what, which kind of leads into our why, which Ken, you were just talking about, you know, this has got to be something that's sacred to you. It's got to be something that's part of you. You can't, you can't not do this, right? You can't not write music and produce your music and get it out there. This is part of who you are. So again, that kind of cancels out that whole, well, I'm just going to throw it out there. This is just a hobby thing for me. No, it's not. You have to treat this like a business. And again, that's something we're going to get into. Now, we talked about you being on your own, and there are many things you will have to do on your own. However, towards the end of the podcast, you want to hang around for this, by the way, because we are going to talk about when it's relevant and really when it's necessary to get some help with certain things. We're going to talk about that later, uh, and there's some there's some very specific things that you know we want to cover in that. But yeah, so Ken, we talked about education. What what are some of the steps you can take as far as like uh, educating yourself in you know in getting your music out there and making those first few steps? Well, the first thing I would say is to focus on yourself first, because whatever it is that you want to do, you got to learn how to do it first, so that you know, or whoever is going to take on that role, you know what they're doing. And you're not entirely dependent on them because there's power in knowledge. So, and that's why I say this thing takes time because it also takes time to learn new skills that we need to adapt to in order to be able to keep this thing afloat. We have to be able to understand the ins and outs of our business thoroughly. If we expect to have longevity, we're not playing the quick pump and dump. <laughs> we're we're right. playing the long game, okay? The long game. <laughs> so all of that is going to basically tie back to how much do you know in order to execute? <laughs> and then, of course, like our, our motto, right? We can measure our results as we go along, planning, executing, measurement. So as you keep moving forward, you're always keeping in mind there are certain things that we can tackle on our own, right? But of course, we shouldn't do necessarily everything, at least not everything to a point where we are overwhelming ourselves, because that is definitely an aspect of all of this. But when you get to a certain point, like for example, and I've talked about this many times with Jason, but for you guys, when I am mixing my own music, I will never choose to master my own music too, because I am too far gone into this mix that I've been trying to sculpt to call it, you know, perfection, but not really. It's just that I'm just so swallowed up in my own mix that I can't be objective anymore. I need somebody else 
to master my music to tell me, hey, these are certain elements that you're doing a little too much of and you need to roll back on this or you need to give me more of this, for example, right? That's exactly what happened with me recently with Homeric. I'm in the process of mixing and I'm at the very tail end, which I'm like, okay, this is fantastic. I can start talking to my mastering engineer and my mastering engineer goes like, hey, uh, your, your distortion effects are like unlistenable. He told me unlistenable. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> I need, I need to go back and retake and take a step back and look at what I'm doing in my mix that I need to correct. And so this is just to, you know, explain the point that it helps to have a team. You need to have people that are on the same path as you want the same goal, but you have to also understand that there's this knowledge that's underneath all of that, right? Like I can talk to my mastering engineer confidently because I understand all the ins and outs of audio. Yes, of course, there's going to be certain things that I tend to lean more towards or not lean enough of because, you know, I'm always growing as an engineer myself. So I have an experienced mastering engineer tell me what I need to do in order to get better. And that is invaluable information for me because in the future, that makes me even more efficient. So over time, you're going to learn, you're going to grow, you're going to get critique, and you're going to have to take that critique and use that in order to help further your progress along. Everything from playing the guitar, you know, your first course, like Metal Guitar Apprentice, all the way to Metal Riff Master, to then, you know, doing Sweet Picking Master. And then before you know it, you're like, I want to do songwriting now. And then from the songwriting, you want to get into production and record your own stuff. This is all part of the natural growth of a musician in this industry. That's true. And by the way, guys, a uh, shameless plug here. We have all of what Ken just talked about on our website, metalmastermind.com. Just click on courses there. A lot of you listening are in our courses, so we do appreciate you. Uh, and again, we're at the end of the podcast, we're going to get into some more areas where you might want some help. And I think that's going to shed a lot of light. But coming back to just like the bare bone basics here, you know, you're a guitar player, you're a vocalist, you know, you're maybe you play keyboard, bass, drums or whatever. And you're writing your music. I think most of you listening right now to this specific episode, uh, you're writing your own music or you're interested, you know, into in starting to write or even co-writing, because that's an awesome thing, too, to collaborate together with your band members or with someone else uh, to write music and songs and lyrics and so forth. Uh, but like some of the like very basics that you need to know, you know, as an individual before you get into those deeper levels where you may be wanting to work with some other people uh, as far as like mixing and mastering, that sort of thing. You know, some of the basic knowledge that you might want to have is going to start in your I think your home recording studio. Right, Ken, you know, uh, so for example, and especially like, OK, we want to talk about plug in plugins real quick. I know we could talk about those for days. We won't get deep into plugins because there are so many. But, you know, Ken, one of my things is and I'm doing this now, you know, I've been using uh, and I'm not sponsored by them. We're not sponsored by them. Uh, not at the time anyway. Hey, that could change. Uh, but pre Sonus Studio One Pro is what I use for my doll. So I, I probably and this is kind of embarrassing. I, I probably only know how to use 25% of PreSonus Studio One, if, I, if I'm honest with myself, because you get to thinking, well, I need this plugin. I need that reverb. I need this. I need that. Blah, blah, blah. The list goes on. But uh, Ken, I think you would agree, you know, learn how to use what you have first 
try to master that first before moving forward. And what are your, some of your thoughts on that? Cause I know you, you use a lot more plugins. You, you produce a lot more than I do. So what well, are some of your thoughts? I would say that, um, well, as an educator in, you know, New York, I, I mean, I have connections to some of these manufacturers and they, they've supplied me with <laughs> plugins over the years. That's pretty And, cool. <laughs> uh, I don't use 90% of them. I just, to be honest, like I have so many, <laughs> they sit there on my computer, uh, but I don't use 90% of them. And that's because I don't necessarily need them. It, they're kind of nice to have. And every once in a while I might pick and choose and I have the luxury to do that. But at the core of my workflow, there are only a couple of key plugins that I really need to use. And the rest is just for fun. <laughs> so you got to understand that over the course of time, you know, when you get things like plugins, plugins are kind of fleeting because they're only there for certain maybe use cases in many of them. You know, some boutique ones are very, very like they're not as usable as, let's say, like a hardcore EQ that you'll always go to. Right. Mm -hmm. And what are the core elements of really mixing? It's mostly some EQ, some compression some time-based effects, and that's about it. The rest of it is that magical 1%, so to speak, where you create dimension and you create all this stuff that brings the music come to life. But there are certain things that you could already do with stock plugins that you don't need a fancy plugin to do that for. So you already get 95, 99% of the way there without all these fancy things. So it's all about the principles of what you're understanding. If you understand the principles, everything is always just a cherry on top. Now, would you say if, if you can't get the result out of a stock EQ, stock compressor, and I say stock, I mean, I, I, that's sometimes it's like a, a lower tier word, but not really. But with the plugins that come with your DAW, if you can't, if you can't learn to work with those and get what you want out of those or get close to where you want, is it safe to say that you're probably not going to get that with the quote unquote premium plugin? Well, there are a couple of variables to think about that. So okay. if you're talking about something very simple, like an EQ, it could be that, you know, your stock EQ maybe doesn't have the uh, filter uh, decibel pole uh, that you want. So for example, per octave, you know, you have, settings in your filters that are like six decibels per octave, 12 decibels, 24 decibels. These are all sort of slopes uh, for a filter, right? Maybe you need something that's really, really sharp for some reason uh, for surgical use, right? Then you can't get it out of a standard, you know, type of uh, EQ. That could be a reason to get something that's more advanced, you know, and that's a very basic example. But you might have other things like, for example, saturation effects. Saturation effects are kind of tricky because uh, there are different algorithms of different types of plugins. So those have a little bit more color to them in terms of shaping tone. Uh, so if it's about shaping tone or, you know, sound designing in this case, we're, we have like an infinite amount of possibilities to do that. I think for the most part, for fitting things into your mix to make them translatable, you don't need the fancy stuff. I think if you really want to get something very unique and, 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 then you're going to expect certain results. And my ethos with mixing is always to mix with intention. 
So don't just get something because you want to just get it. I mean, if you have it, that's nice. But why do you want that? Why is that thing important for you? So mixing with intention is super important because it always keeps you aware of your current situation. And that's what I would say also in everything that you're doing outside of mixing too, right? Why are we going this route with our music? Why am I going to, uh, you know, get a seven string guitar for this album that I'm creating? What is the intention behind that? What is it offered that you're not getting already with the current set of things? That's something that has to be, I think, ingrained in us as we move forward because it's easy to lose sight. And we've talked about gas, <laughs> gear acquisition oh, yeah. syndrome. Yep. We've had this <laughs> talk already. So if you haven't heard that episode, by the way, go and see that right now if you're struggling with this. But That's a good one. Yeah. You have to keep yourself in check because, you know, at a certain point when I was working on my album, I said, screw it. This thing is done. Like I can't, I can't bear to add any more to this thing than it already is. I was like, man, I think, you know, like my vocals, cause I, I, of course you're more critical of yourself when you work on your own things. Right. So I'm like, you know, my vocals, especially vocals, dude, especially vocals, like, man. they're like, you know, they're not like this artist that I'm thinking in my head for this yeah. type of music. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, I hear, people like Jason and I hear other types of people talk to me about my vocals. They're like, yeah, I, I like your vocals. I think, I think they're really dope. I was like, but I don't think they're dope, but you know what? Maybe that's okay because I will always be super critical of myself. Other people may just enjoy it for what it is. And sometimes we forget to get out of our own head and just accept the fact that it is what it is. And you know what? I feel more proud of it, letting go of that, because now I can say this has been my stamp, my own sound, yeah. which is, of course, what we're after here in Metal Master. That's what we're after. creating our own sound and not having to sound like somebody else. Right. Yeah. So you just have to grow comfortable with that. And, you know, the uncomfortable aspect is acceptance and moving forward and always challenging and pushing yourself. Yeah, there's there's two key things that you mentioned just now. So go backing up to when you're talking about EQ, uh, you went into depth. So I would venture to say if and and some of that was Greek to me, to be honest with you, right? So I and I'd venture <laughs> to say if some of that was Greek to you listening right now, then okay, well, you need to learn how to use the EQ in your doll. Now, if you understood everything Ken was saying about the decibels and all this good stuff, okay, if you if you're at that level of producing and mixing, then okay, for you, you would know why you might need uh, another plugin outside of your DAW's stock plugins. Okay, so I just want to bring that point up because that's that's important. Uh, I didn't understand some of that stuff, so that that tells me if I got a a premium plugin, well, I wouldn't know how to use it. I need to learn how to use, and and I can use my own EQs and that sort of thing, right? The, the stock EQs, but again, guys, you know, don't think that you need the latest and greatest because, like Ken said, you need to have intent. Well, why do you need it? What do you think it's going to do for you if you don't know how to use it? And another thing you mentioned, kind of fast forwarding a, a bit about vocals, we do pride ourselves at Metal Mastermind uh, on creating your own sound. That's been our our new tag. We've always believed that, but that's you, you hear at the end of our YouTube videos and podcasts. We always say create your own sound. 
Why would you want to sound like someone else? Why? Why do you want to sound like another singer? Why Why do I need to, to shred like this other guitar player over here or play the same arpeggios? Why? It's already done. If you just replicate what somebody else is doing, well, that's not really original. You know, and if you're, if you happen to sound like somebody else and that's just what naturally comes out, well, that's a different story, but it, it's, it's going to have differences. It's not going to sound like the other band or artist. So, you know, can I applaud you for doing your own vocals? And I, I get it. Um, there are vocalists, you know, I'm a, I never really considered myself a singer, but I guess I am because I, I sing two and three nights a week now playing solo gigs and of course recording vocals on my album. Um, but, you know, I would love to have the voice like Sebastian Bach or David Coverdale. I would love some of those vocals, you know what I mean? I don't have it, though. I don't sound anything like those guys. I don't have the range. But you know what? If two things. It's okay because they already sound like them. They don't need a replica, right? Steve Perry doesn't need a replica. Uh, unless you're going to play in a cover band or something like that, okay, different story. But that's not what we're about. We're about writing your own music and producing your own creative sound, right? So you want to be original. Don't worry about so much if you sound like this person or if you don't sound like this person or if you have that guitar tone, right? Because we always want to like, well, I want that tone right there. How did you dial that in? Don't worry about it. Dial your own tone in. Find your own sound. Now, at the same time, also push yourself to get better. I I do vocal exercises. This is something that's uh, that's really close to the heart right now because I'm working on it every day. I do vocal warm-ups and exercises every day uh, from Elizabeth's course, Ken. You know, we have the... Uh, we have her course, um, Metal Vocal Virtuoso. I love her her warm-ups. I do them every single day, especially before shows. So, you know, don't use, and I kind of want to back up here, don't use not sounding like someone else as an excuse not to get better, not to practice. You need to practice. But as you work on things, you will naturally develop your own sound. So I, I just want to make those two points of the conversation here because those are, I think those are two strong points you guys can can take home with. Yeah. And if you can't do something, you can always hire somebody to do that. <laughs> that's, that's a big part of being an indie musician too. And you'd be surprised how many of those artists that you idolize might be available for services. Yeah. So if you want Sebastian Bach, like you can probably get Sebastian Bach by just hiring the guy. <laughs> so we want to be conscious that all of our efforts are directed towards the things that we can control because everything that you do for your own music and all the intention that you put forth in that, yeah. right? If there's something outside of that, that you're just like, you're not adept to be able to do seek help, right? That's why I talked about the mastering in the beginning of this episode, because that is something, yes, I can master, but I will not master my own stuff because in order to master something, you have to be objective about the thing that you're listening to. It's the final stage of audio production. You have to make sure that somebody can listen to this thing and point out the faults in it that you are obviously too biased to notice. <laughs> so that's something that we want to kind of keep in the back of our minds going forward. Is this something that I should do myself or is this something that would be better suited to delegate to somebody else? And if you have that intention of being, okay, I need to delegate to somebody else, right? You have to be serious that you're going to probably spend some money on them. And if this is something that you feel in your heart that you have to do, you have to be okay with that. 
you're investing in your music and your music, right? It has return by means of supporting somebody emotionally on the other side, could be financial return in the future. These sort of long-term things that we've been talking about, it's not going to be an immediate thing. You're going to see this as something that grows over time. And you're talking about legacy, right? You want to establish something that you're proud of that you will look back on in the future and say, yes, I did that. I have no problem showing that I've done that. You know, I can live with myself doing that because I, I took all the time in the world to make it happen the way I want it to happen. And I also learned so much about myself in the process. I grew as a person. I grew as an artist. And I also, as an indie musician, can be so proud that I've released it myself. I've released it to the world in a way that I can have, uh, you know, complete ownership of my own music, which a lot of people back in the day couldn't say for themselves. So, you know, we idolize certain people in this industry and we're like, oh my God, you know, they're so famous and, but for so many of them, ask to see how much they've earned in return before they had to recoup all the money that they spent on making that stuff from the record label. Because that's that's a real thing. Recoupment. You got to you won't thing, yeah. you won't earn a dime, a dime on your music if you get a record label deal <laughs> before you've paid them back what they spent. And you know what? Here's another thing about that, by the way. It's on your royalties. So you can't just pay them back. No, they'll, they'll make the money regardless. They'll make the money regardless. It's always going to be off of your royalties. So if you haven't paid back through your royalties, you'll never see a dime. No matter how much they've made off of your merch or anything else that's in the future, you're touring, they'll keep making the money. You still won't get that money until it's paid back through royalties because that's what's in the contract. Okay, that's what recruitment is. There are a lot of broke musicians out there, man. I, I know a hand living in the Tampa area. This is a this is like the capital of the metal world, uh, metal scene back in the '80s. And I, I know personally know a handful of musicians that uh, that were making it at the time, but not so much today. They're doing other things today. Some of them are still playing music and so forth, but they either got screwed by uh, by uh, you know a band member or a label or something to that effect. And not just in metal genres. I, I know a few musicians across other genres as well. Uh, whereas if you have control as an indie musician, you'll, you'll have more control over your music and what you get paid, how much you want to spend. But you have to learn some other things, guys. You do have to learn how to market your music. This is I, We're kind of getting ahead of ourselves, um, but Ken and I have been talking about this for a while now. We do plan to launch in the future a platform where you guys can release your music uh, and we can at least – offer the marketing, uh, the marketing principles to you on how to market your music and how to actually make money, like real money from your music. So we do want to, uh, we would do want to merge into that at some point that's coming in the near future. But Ken, I like what you said about though, about really not being your weakest link is, is to sum up what you're saying earlier. You're not going to master your own stuff because you might be your weakest link. Not that you don't know how to do it because you're an engineer, you're you're a, you're a pro audio engineer. You know how, but like you said, you're in your head. Me, for example, I'm not a drummer. I'm not going to attempt to play drums. You know, Cameron Fleury, uh, the Canadian metal drummer, he played the drums, recorded it in his studio. Very good work uh, on my album Masterpiece. He's already done the drums a couple years ago on the album that I've yet to release, Overcometh. 
uh, Ken will probably be doing future drums on my work, you know, um, things like uh, bass. Maybe you're a guitar player and maybe you're a wannabe bass player, but it's sounding too much like you're playing guitar and bass. So maybe you want to hire a bass player. Uh, Siren, the band Siren, who kind of came back from the dead from the 80s, uh, you know, their album, A Mercenary's Fate. Well, they didn't have their bass player for, for this album. So they hired, they ended up finding a guy uh, who was the basis for Annihilator and he's the basis for uh, another or another band or so. Um, I'll say his name, Rich, Rich Gray. He's he's going to be doing our bass course, our metal bass course. So that's coming out on Metal Mastermind soon. I'm happy to announce that. But the point being is Siren, you know, the, as a band within the band, yeah, they're both guitar players could have probably laid the bass tracks but when i heard rich gray when i heard him lay down these tracks oh holy crap yeah. i was like what is this where did this guy come from what planet you know so uh that's coming down the pipeline very very soon but again the point was they didn't want to be their weakest link them right. getting a professional bass player somebody that plays bass on day in day in and day out knew what they were doing they got the best right so if you're if you're going back to mastering, because I think this is a really important piece, if you do not master music every day or at least on a regular basis, like multiple times a week, don't master your own music, okay? Because you're not going to gain that skill set overnight. Ken mentioned several times that this is a long game that we're playing here, right? This is not something we're just going to dip our toe in the water. Uh, you know, I'll just watch a couple YouTube videos. Now I know how to master. Sorry, doesn't work like that. You need someone, I don't mean to harp on mastering, but that's the end piece, right? That's what's being released. So you kind of do have to pay a lot of attention to that and really get somebody that's a pro. But in anything, you know, may, maybe you're a rhythm guitarist and you don't feel like your solos are up to speed, no pun intended. So maybe you want to hire a lead guitar player to play the solos on your album, you know, or, or if you have a friend you want to go in with or something like that, you know, do do the royalties fair and all that good stuff, work it out. But th those are just some examples, right? So there, there's a lot of areas that you would want to bring up. You can bring up by getting uh, an expert to do those parts. Yeah. And, you know, I always love to refer to, uh, the old uh, composers of <laughs> of the world, because when they were creating their music, it was always through uh, having this intention of having other people bring that music to life. So, you know, people will say, oh, everything in classical music is always written, you know, so specifically and all this kind of stuff. Well, it, it kind of is, but it also is uh, left up to interpretation many times, too. Uh, because composers knew that part of what they were creating needed to be through the eyes of a musician to bring that to life. So having that connection of, okay, this is what I'm good at. This is what I could do for my music. But then also saying, I'm not the best at doing this one thing. Let me get somebody else to bring that part of my music to life. That takes awareness and it also takes a moment of stripping yourself of your ego <laughs> to be honest because you can be very very how would you say obsessive about all the things in your own music mm -hmm. that it can distract you from what's actually going to help your music too and don't by all means don't just do 
something in your music just because you want to please somebody. Because I've done that before. And those were my ex-bandmates. And I realized that once that got rid of them and I had this new stuff, oh my God. And of course, this is about like maybe two years into having the new material in my music. But I remember I still kept the old recordings and I listened back. I listened from what I had now to what I had then. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) I would never go back to that old sound ever again, because what I have now has so much life in it this time. And I had to go through a band breakup in order to, to get that sound that I was after. But I know now that, yeah, this is, this is what I want. This is exactly what needed to happen. So yeah, you know, you gotta, you gotta find sometimes through a rock and a hard place in order to get something from your music that you really wanted. Uh, It could mean, you know, that you're with the wrong bandmates. And that's one of the reasons why I love being just a solo indie music producer because it's just yeah i don't have to deal with the bureaucracy and all that stuff that you get with a band but i also play in a band as well currently still and we write music together but they are the right bandmates for that other band so it's a balance you have to figure out where's your place in all of this and what is important to the music that's being created and you have to all be in sync if that's the case, if you're not in sync, there's there's going to be issues. So that, that that again comes back to that analogy of building your castle on sand. You know, you have to make sure that foundation is rock solid, man. Has to be. Otherwise, everything on top is going to crumble. So, no, I've been guilty of something you, you mentioned just now. It's very powerful. Um, and I just kind of thought of it. But you mentioned don't write music to please other people. You know, you were writing music. You're like, well, I hope my bandmates like this. And I, I've been guilty in the back of my mind of as I'm writing or before I sit down to write, it's like, well, I, I wonder if people of this metal subgenre are going to like what I'm putting out. What if it doesn't quite match what they like or what I think they're going to like? Because this is a concept that we make up and create in our own head. Um, and, and the proof behind that is, is if you were to put a song out there, let's say on your social media and ask people, hey, name three bands it sounds like. You're gonna get a lot of different. Some you'll you get similarities, right? Some people might say like, "Oh, it sounds like Megadeth." You might have the majority say that, but you're gonna get some other variances that are really wide. So that proves that you cannot write. Well, you can, but I'll say I, I encourage you not to write music with the thought of who's gonna like this, right? I mean, we're we're, we're all kind of rock and metal heads here, so we know it's gonna be of that genre. But I wouldn't worry so much about, well, it's got to sound like this to be categorized in that subgenre. I think it gets a little a little dangerous to yourself to do that because you build this this false expectation uh, of, of the listeners. And I say just, you know, look, you love metal, you love rock. This is what we do. Just put it out there because the world needs more original music out there. We don't need more of the same, right? So I don't know, Ken, have you ever struggled with that? Because I, I struggle with that sometimes, man. I'm like, I hope people like this. I hope that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think in our last episode, we were talking a little bit about that, where uh, when I was writing my music in the beginning, uh, I didn't know what it was going to sound like. I just yeah. kind of wrote what I thought was kind of cool. And I had certain types of influences for sure. Uh, but I ended up saying, you know, okay, 
for example, there's this one song that I have called The Legion. It's on the first Homerica. And that was the first song uh, we actually wrote for the album. And one of the biggest like influences was Ensafarum, uh, the you know band yeah. that I think Yari, the composer, was in before he was uh, in Winter Sun. And there's a lot of similarities with like the sort of folkiness that's on that song that can kind of harken a little bit to things like Ensafarum. And we wanted to create something that had like kind of like an old school metal vibe to it. So some thrash. So, yeah, I was thinking about, you know, some of those older bands as I was creating that piece. But there were still some elements of that where I was just like, you know, but I want to kind of do this sound, too. And I just kept kind of going in that direction. And, you know, I experimented with, with all these other different types of genres on that record that when somebody was listening to me, uh, listening to my, my music for the first time, they, and they came back to me another day later, they said, you know, when, when Homeric plays, I, I know it's Homeric. And I was like, that's amazing. Because underneath all of those influences that we're talking about, there was still that underlying sound that I had captured that was prevalent in all of those, despite the genre differences. So that's something I want you to pay attention to when you're writing your own music, because it may not be that surface level thing that we're always thinking about. And this is stuff like tone and all this kind of stuff. It's not really that. It's an underlying element to your music that's subliminal in a sense. It's the arrangement. It's the focus on certain elements in the mix that sort of bring it maybe its size uh there are certain types of uh sort of emotions that maybe you're also feeling as you're listening to the music um because that's something that we tie to as humans so those types of things i would really pay attention to more because one of the things that i do in order to find sort of the sound that i'm looking for is Yes, I mix on my computer and all that good stuff. And I listen to my music a lot on my computer. But one of the most important things that I do is the quote unquote car test, but for different reasons. And I don't necessarily just listen to it for its sonic balance. I also listen to it just as music because I want to feel what I'm trying to feel when I create the music at my production stand, uh, desk. If I am able to sort of feel as a listener, without the ability to control what's happening in the music, that is some power. So there's a, a sort of an emotional intelligence that you're tapping into. And as an artist, I strongly, strongly, strongly recommend that you pay attention to those types of elements that come out in your music and see what are, what are the vibes that it's giving you? Um, how can you make that congruent in your album? And one thing I'll say to that, Ken, too, as, as we're wrapping up here, is that remember, you are an indie musician, which to us means that you have power. Okay. You have the say so to do really whatever you want, to be honest with you. Right. And, and rather than having some label uh, or other producer that's tied with the label, that's, you know, this got the financial interest, right? Saying, well, no, it needs to sound like this. And this is where this, I think this is why a lot of bands do kind of sound similar because their labels are saying, well, this is the thing going on right now. If I, if I back up and, and go into like the early nineties, when the, the Seattle and grunge started coming into play, 
you had a lot of labels telling their bands from the 80s, right, that, well, you need to change your sound because this is what's happening. And a lot of people lost their label at that point, or some people, I remember the story behind the band Nevermore, they're like, no, we're not a grunge band, we're metal, we're not changing to that, right? But my point is that as an indie musician, that's not something you ever have to worry about, you know? If you want to follow a trend, well, that that's on you, that's your decision, uh, but that's really what we're talking about right now, you know, go with your heart, right? I mean, what do you want to produce? What are you going to be proud of when you're listening to your song, like Ken was saying, in your car? Are you going to get the emotion that you were going for? Or is it going to be like, oh, this kind of sounds like, you know, this kind of sounds themed like this or that or the other. We want you to be proud of your music. We want you to be proud of, of what you're releasing out there. Yeah, pay attention to the the the, the goosebumps that you might feel yeah. with your music. If your music's not giving you that, you need to revisit and see what are the elements that are taking away from that. Because at the core of it, you should feel a certain way about your music. And it has to be something that you're intending on feeling. So pay attention to those because that 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 is going to be what the listener feels when they listen to your music. Um, so that should be your focus above all else. What is the underlying emotion and message that you're trying to send? And is it translating through your music? That's good stuff. Well, guys, we want to thank you so much for listening in on today's episode. Hey, we are out there on uh, on iTunes now. We just got that uh, we got that handled what a week or so ago. Uh, we're on Spotify and the Google Podcast, and of course, you can listen to us on on Metal Mastermind. Uh, go to metalmastermind.com under media, and you can listen to podcasts and all those sources. But we really appreciate you guys tuning in to us, guys. Remember, always create your own sound.